Martin Luther has this quote, hunger is the best cook. I had to think about that quote for a while before I got it. I went to Martin Luther's home in Wittenberg. That's his song, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Uh, so, so I visited where he, where he was from, and he's, if, if you know, he's one of the early, early crusaders in the, in the uh, Reformation. And he said, hunger is the best cook. And he said this in the context of prayer. You know, we talked last week about Jesus, teach us how to pray in 2018. Forget everything you've been taught about prayer. Forget anything that Pastor Nathan said about prayer or you've read about prayer. And just ask God to teach you how to pray. Uh, because a lot of times we get caught up in those formulas, we get caught up in our failures and whatever it might be, or perceived failures, and we, we give up. But uh, the challenge was, Lord, just teach us how to pray. Take that simple prayer. And uh, Martin Luther offers us our second bit of advice. When it comes to prayer, hunger is the best cook. When do you buy the best groceries? You know, the stuff that you really want. <laughs> Not the stuff that's necessarily good for you. When you're hungry, you go shopping, and you're like, oh, $300 today, huh? Because I got all this stuff I like, you know? And, and um, you know, when you're cooking, when you're preparing a meal and you're not hungry, you could kind of care less in many ways about what it tastes like. You're not really honed in on that. But when you're hungry, you cook well. I think that's something we can all understand. You know, I, I, I've been reading this book by a guy named Fred Hartley. And he says, you know, hunger is a sign of health. You know, actual hunger is a sign of health. When you lose your appetite, you're usually sick. And, he, and, and Fred Hartley says, you know, when I was a kid, if I lost my appetite, my mom knew I was either sick or I was in love. Which I don't, I don't know. I think when I've been in love and sick, I'm still hungry. I'm just one of those people. <laughs> just why I need to, which is why I need to fast from time to time. Because, you know, it seems like a good idea all the time. But, but, uh, but you know, he, he took this analogy to, to a new level and said, you know, when we lack hunger for God, when we lack uh, desire for him, you know, we're either not healthy spiritually or we're in love with other things, you know, other things besides God. Jesus always said you cannot serve both God and money. You know, he said, made absolute statements like that. You can't, you can't be devoted to one and the other at the same time. But a healthy appetite... Uh, for more of God, cooks up some good prayers. Desperation for God. And desperation for God, and this is, a, this is a quote from Fred Hartley, it says, we're desperate for you, God, because we don't have what it takes within ourselves to meet the challenges and opportunities that you've placed before us. We need you, God. And we believe that God alone has what it takes to help us meet the challenges and opportunities before us. And the prayer is how we access God's resources. That's desperation for God. We need more of him. And there's really two ways to get to this place of desperation with God. The, the front door, a pitiful present. Things are going really badly. I'm desperate for God because I've lost my job, because sickness has come upon me, because uh, there's been some kind of event where all of a sudden I'm snapped into reality. And I say, say to myself, you know, I need God. I need him to deliver me. Uh, I've, I've lost someone that's dear to me. Um, think about all the kind of things that, where, where the wheels really do fall off your life. 
And a pitiful present, a, a bad uh, turn of events, is one of the ways that we become very desperate for God. And it works because God is faithful. And because God, uh, however we come to him, however we get to him, God is faithful to meet us and, and to uh, touch our lives. But there's also a backdoor to desperation for God in prayer. And that's a, a vision of a preferred future. It's a vision where you say, God, I do not have the resources. I don't have what I need to take care of my life. I know that you are the one who has it. Uh, and prayer is the way that I access it. And so there's this front door, a pitiful present, back door, a preferred future, a vision for the future where you say, you know, things are going pretty well for me, but I, this is the time when I need God, uh, and, I, and I seek after him. And both of these doors are ways to access the presence and power of God. Uh, I was hanging out with a friend this week, and he, he teaches canoeing. And he told me this really fascinating story that really struck him. He, he was working with kids at camp, you know, teenagers, and he was teaching this big canoeing class because they were going to go on a 50-mile canoe trip together, which is a pretty good trip. And so for two days, he drilled these kids. J-strokes, who canoes here? Who's been trained to canoe? How to do the J-stroke? How to do the C-stroke? How to do T-rescues, where when your canoe flips over, you can you know, rescue someone. You know, how, to, uh, how to position yourself, you know, how to lock your arms, proper form, all those kinds of things. So for two days, he drilled these teenagers on how to canoe properly. And he and his partner were in, when the, when the time for the trip came the next day, they were in the lead canoe. It was in October, so they were wearing their, their poofy down, you know, vests. And they were just smoking, these kids. You know, they, they were so far ahead, and they weren't sweating, they weren't even, their heart rate wasn't even increased, and they kept their coats on because they were, they, were, they were finding it so easy to get ahead. And these kids were lagging behind, lagging behind. Finally, a few miles in, as they were waiting, one of the canoes came up, and, and the kids just said, how are you doing this? How are you so far ahead of us and not even breaking a sweat? And they said, okay, fine. Here's the four things you need to do. You need to lock your arms. You need to do, you know, they show them the proper form, four different tips. This is all stuff they covered in, in ad nauseum for two days of training. So finally, these kids took these four tips, and that boat and the other boats that saw what had happened and asked for those four tips, all of them started being at the head of the pack with my friend and his, and his friend uh, because finally, these kids were in a place where they were desperate to know how to canoe properly. Think about it, you know? Like, when you're just learning, it doesn't seem that important. It doesn't seem like something that you really, do I really need to know this, or can I get by the way I am, right? But when it comes to these long-distance trips, all of a sudden it becomes extremely important. You become desperate. And me and my friend were talking about, you know, in leadership, how do you, how do you take people who are in a pretty good situation right now, who are not experiencing a pitiful present where things are going badly, how do you give people a vision that there's more, you know, as a motivation to press on and go further uh, with God? Because, you know, that, that analogy of, of that canoe training and that canoe trip, it's just so true. 
uh, until people are really in the thick of it, they're hardly ever motivated to really push. So we're going to look at Psalm 107 today. And if, you, if you'd like a Bible, you can put your hand in the air and Usher will bring you one. We're in Psalm 107. I find this to be a very fascinating um, chapter. I, I'd, never, I'd never really seen the things I saw in it this week. But it's a great illustration of the steadiness and consistency of God. It, it tells the story of four different groups of people. And, and, and you see in the story that each of those groups uh, is received the same way by God. You'll see this pattern. So it says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe. Those he gathered from the lands, from east and west, from north and south. So here's the encouragement. Let the people of God tell their story, share their testimony of how God saved them, right? Here's our first group of people. Some wandered in the desert, wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty. Their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind, for he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. So the first group of people are just people that have wandered. It doesn't really say that uh, they intentionally wandered from the, from the path they were supposed to be on. But somehow or other, they got lost. And they got in such a desperate place. Um, they were hungry, they were thirsty, and they began to come into that place of desperation. And they cried out to the Lord, this group of people. And it says... He delivered them from their distress. So the first group of people, they're in, they're in this bad situation. They come through the, the front door of, uh, of, of distress and difficulty. They cry out to God. He delivers them. So now we're going to come to the second group. It says this, Some sat in darkness, in utter darkness, prisoners suffering in iron chains because they rebelled against God's commands and despised the plans of of the Most High. So the first group, we didn't really know whether or not it was their intention to wander, but they ended up wandering. This group, it says very clearly, they rebelled against God's commands. They were suffering in chains because of their own foolishness. And they ended up being in captivity. Verse 12, so he subjected them to bitter labor. They stumbled and there was no one to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness, the utter darkness, and broke away their chains. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he breaks down gates of bronze and cuts through bars of iron. So here's another group in a desperate situation. Came to a bad place, but this time it was definitely their fault. And the same exact treatment is given to them as the first group who just had wandered away. They cried out to God, and he saved them from their distress. That should be a huge encouragement to all of you. Because sometimes we think to ourselves, well, I got myself in this trouble. 
You know, it's my fault. I deserve whatever's coming to me. So the cool thing about this passage is, uh, so far we have two groups of people in equally um, desperate situations. One group, not necessarily their fault, they wandered away. This group, very intentionally, um, ran away from God. He gave them the same treatment. He broke down the gates of bronze, cut through the bars of iron, and saved them. The third group of people, in verse 17, it says, Some became fools through their rebellious ways and suffered affliction because of their iniquities. They loathed all food and drew near the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love, his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them sacrifice thank offerings and tell of his works with songs of joy. This is a group who became very foolish through rebellion and became very sick because of their own sin in body to the point that they drew near death and were unable to eat. They're desperate people, but it's their own fault. So we would say, how will God receive these people? They cried out to the Lord, and they get the same treatment as the others. He saves them. He heals them. He rescues them from death. Let them sacrifice thank offerings and tell of his works with songs of joy. So just kind of this ever-increasing crescendo of of different situations uh, that people find themselves in. And each one, as different as the situations are, uh, God responds when they come to the place of desperation, and he saves. That's what God does. Verse 23, some went out on the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunkards. They were at their wits' end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed, and they were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love, his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of the elders. Here's just a group of professionals who got into their craft, were pretty confident of their abilities. Um, they, They got in some trouble. They came to a place of desperation, and God heard them and delivered them. The pattern is the same. No matter where you, how you come to God or have come to God in the past, we often will think that how we come to God is going to change how he receives us. But that's not who God is. God responds to desperation in people. And, uh, and when things get difficult um, and get to this point where we're fearful for our lives or whatever it might be, it doesn't matter When we cry out to him in desperation, he saves. And finishing this out, 
talks about the amazing deeds of our God. He turned rivers into a desert, blowing springs into thirsty ground, and fruitful land into a salt waste because of the wickedness of those who lived there. He turned the desert into pools of water and the parched ground into flowing springs. There he brought the hungry to live, and they founded a city where they could settle. They sowed fields and planted vineyards that yielded a fruitful harvest. He blessed them, and their numbers greatly increased, and he did not let their herds diminish. Then their numbers decreased, and they were humbled by oppression, calamity, and sorrow. He who pours contempt on nobles made them wander in a trackless waste. But he lifted the needy out of their affliction and increased their families like flocks. The upright see and rejoice, but all the wicked shut their mouths. Let the one who is wise heed these things and ponder the loving deeds of the Lord. Let the one who is wise heed these things. This God that we serve responds to desperation. And however you get there, the reception is the same. When people are desperate for God, God responds, and he saves, and he delivers people. Whether you brought it on yourself, whether it was brought upon you by a life situation, or, or some kind of uh, grief that struck you suddenly, uh, as many of us have gone through even in the last year, um, whether it's something where you were very confident and doing very well in your career, and, the, and, and even though all the signs pointed to everything's going to be fine, there was a humdinger and something went wrong, and you're, you're all of a sudden, everything is very insecure. However you get to desperation, the message is not about us and how we come to God. The message is about God and what God can do. And God is the one who turns a desert into a river and turns a river into a desert. God is the one who allows people who are proud and don't, need, don't think that they need him uh, in their everyday lives to come to a place where they realize, oh, yeah, I actually do need God. He, he humbles people. And then he's the God when they cry out to him that lifts them up. So, however you come to God, it's fine. It's, gonna, it's going to work because of God's goodness and his greatness. There's a front door and there's a back door. And my encouragement in this church, I don't know what your life situation is individually, but as far as this church goes, things are going well. You know, we have heat. We're paying the bills. You know, we're seeing people come to Christ and be saved. We're having outreaches and family events, and we're making disciples uh, to some extent. Things are going well. Now is the time to seek after God through the front door of desperation, because there's a, there's a, there's a preferred future that God has for us that is beyond what we're seeing right now. Okay? <laughs> So do we need to come to a place of desperation before we seek God and become hungry for him? Or can we look at these stories in Psalm 107 and heed the God who this psalm is talking about? Um, the God who's all wise, who, who lifts up those who are humble, but also humbles the proud. My vision for, for our church in this new year is that we would catch a vision of the future that God wants for us. Not become contented and happy with the way things are and patting ourselves on the back and thinking, yeah, things are going well. You know, now is the time to press in like our life depends on it.
Now's the time to press in like we can't pay the bills. Like we have to decide to cut ministries and get, and you know, all the, <laughs> you know, now's the time to be desperate for God, to, to, be, to be wise about how God works and to remember that, uh, that we are fully reliant on him. Our pride causes us to think that we have what it takes within ourselves to, to uh, meet the challenges and opportunities God will bring our way. But we need God. And I believe that this desire for more of God isn't just me and the elders. You know, I think it's the whole church. You know, the way that you guys are responding and fasting and seeking after God and, and, and engaging with what God is doing uh, is showing me that this hunger for more of God is, is spreading across our body. And uh, I, I just really want to encourage us, you know, teach us how to pray. Pray with shameless audacity and seek him like, like our church depends on it. Because people that are desperate for God receive from God. They just do. God always responds to that desperation. And hunger is the best cook for prayer. If you are not feeling hungry right now for more of God, you know, I believe that it's time to ask why. If there's more of God to be had and he's offering himself to us, are you spiritually sick? Is there something you need to work through in your, in your soul so you can really see how important God is uh, and, and, and how much you need him? Um, or are you in love with something else? Really easy way to, to, to think about this is, you know, if you, if you they had this big thing a couple of years ago called, it was like one week to live or one month to live. It was some kind of Christian thing. And the idea was, if you had one month to live, how would you prioritize or think about life differently? Would you be thinking about the same things you're thinking about from day to day now? None of us knows when we're going to be with God, when we're going to, our lives are going to come to a close. But if we are face to face with God, Today, you know, would we be pleased with the things that we've been hungry for in our lives? Have we made God the most important thing uh, in our experience? Sometimes there, there's people that are hard to talk, to Jesus, talk about Jesus with. I've been in situations where families say, oh, can you come, come talk to my, uh, my mother or father? They're on their deathbed. You've never met them before, but... Could you come and try to see what you can do, you know? And they, they'll say, oh, they're very resistant to anything about Jesus and, and the gospel. They've always hated the Bible, and whenever I bring it up, they've always been angry. And I'm like, sure. What have I got to lose? You know, these people, you look, you think about people that are on their deathbed, you know, they could close their eyes. And I've seen it several times, even in my young ministry, where I'm in the room, and the, they open their eyes and they look at you. And they close their eyes and they look at Jesus. They're face to face with God, you know? And so in those situations, even if, even if someone is sort of in a coma or something, you know, I will talk to them about Jesus and pray with them and just hope that God reaches them. Because that's what's really important at the end of the day is, you know, do we know him? And what's important for those of us who are living is, 
Do we seek after him like our life depends on it? Do we seek after what's really important, the needful thing? And if you were to take the, to borrow this Christian thing, the, the program, if you had one month to live, knowing what you know now, I mean, you are in church after all, how would you seek God differently? How would you live differently? God always responds to desperation, but us humans stink at seeking God unless it hurts. We just stink at it. But let's just be a different type of Christian who sees reality for what it is and says, things aren't so terrible right now. I don't need for them to be to seek after God with desperation. There's a preferred future. There's a different future available for those who seek God with desperation in the good times. Let's pray as the worship team comes. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you for their love for you. Thank you for their faithfulness. I thank you for the kind of God that you are. We focus on our, how we come to you all the time. And you've shown us in Psalm 107 that all the different ways that people could come to you, the reaction from you is the same. But you respond and you save those who cry out to you in desperation. You are so good. Help us to be wise, to think about our lives in the context of uh, what is really important. Just let us live differently this year, God. Let us live lives dependent on you, hungry for you. As hungry as some some of the people here are for food during this fast. It reminds us of what we really need, the bread of life, the bread that Jesus said that his disciples knew nothing about, to do the will of the Father, to know him. We worship you. Let us worship him together. Thank you.